Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. So we're entering a new series. We're calling this Good News Now. And each week, uh, you're going to watch a little video like that, and then we're going to go into the message. We're, we're doing an overview of two books of the Bible, Luke and Acts. The reason these two go together is they were written by the same author, guy named Luke. There's your clue. And uh, Luke writes to his friend Theophilus, and he, he says this at the beginning of Luke chapter 1. He says, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the very early, from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus. That's his friend. So you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. And then he will, um, do kind of tell the sequel. So Luke has said the story of the life and ministry of Jesus. And then the book of Acts is the sequel to that and, and how the birth and flourishing of the church. So uh, it's just a it's a great story. You know, along that line, um, next week, um, big welcome to our friends online, by the way. Again, good to have you with us. But next week, I'll let you know, your stream's going to end a little early. Uh, we have some guests that are going to come and share in the service uh, next week who are working in very sensitive areas. The very areas that the Bible tells us about all the time, they're working as missionaries there, and um, they're going to come and share in the service next week. I'm really, really excited to have them come and share, but I can't broadcast anything about them, their names, their faces, or any any of that. So that'll be uh, next week. But uh, this is, that's the setting into which we're speaking. So Luke and Acts. And so each week we'll show you a little clip from a portion of that. And then we'll, I'm going to teach this out of a portion of that. And so today I'm taking you to Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 41. And I know you've been standing for some time in worship, but uh, I would love if you're able, out of respect for God's word, to stand with me for the reading of Scripture. Luke chapter 2 in the New Testament, beginning at verse 41. And we've just come out of the whole birth narrative, the whole account of the birth of Jesus. And now we're at verse 41. And it says this, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, right, going back up north. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. Anybody ever left their kids behind somewhere? Anybody ever been left behind? John, you've got a good story. <laughs> happened to me. Um, yeah, it's fun when that happens. Feels so loved. Uh, verse 45, when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. 
Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to, you, to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. You can just imagine. I mean, she sounds very much like a typical mom, right? Verse 49, but why did you need to search? He asked, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Let's be seated together. So it's a great passage, the whole section, but we're going to really zero in on verse 52, that last verse that I read there, because it so perfectly captures the humanity of Jesus and the character of Jesus and the development of Jesus in this life. You see, the Gospels leave absolutely no wiggle room as to who Jesus is. Fully God as the Son of God, Son of Mary, and fully man. He's both at the same time. Uh, it's you know hard for us, I think impossible for us even to fully understand that, to comprehend that, but his deity and humanity combination are the only way uh, the, his death and resurrection, A, make any sense, and B, can accomplish anything. It has to be both together. Now, when we think about Jesus, we think about Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Teacher, Jesus the Miracle Worker, right? But Jesus first had to be born. And then he had to grow up and he had friends and he had a family and all those things. And and the New Testament really gives us, I would say, nothing, virtually nothing about the childhood or the youth of Jesus except for this uh, one little story. There is other kind of, I would say, non-biblical or non-canonical stories that have emerged and been told about the childhood of Jesus and how he makes little miracles to impress his friends. It's Pure speculation and imagination. It's cute, but it's not biblical. It's not, there's no truth to it. Um, but this verse, verse 52, summarizes his, his adolescence and his 20s, those most formative years of a young man's life. And uh, you got one short sentence here that, that summarizes 18 years from 12 to 30. 18 years. And so um, we're going to kind of zero in on this verse. You know, we like to think of discipleship as, well, it's about learning doctrine. It's about learning the Bible. It's about you know, developing good habits or, you know, understanding what it means to follow Jesus. But discipleship really, following Jesus really affects our whole life, every area of our life, every part of our life. And so we're going to look at four ways that we can grow like Jesus. That's our message topic today. Grow like Jesus. Look at four ways based on this verse. Look at it with me. In fact, let's read it together. Ready? Go. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Right. Great verse. Great verse. Literally, it's Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That's literally how it's how it's done or God and people. Um, So four things. First of all, Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom. What is that about? That's about developing your mind. Developing your mind. Uh, this would include paying attention to your mental health. Paying attention to, you know, personality habits and traits and, and developing around their emotional intelligence. It's about your intellect, about learning and understanding. And I would say most importantly, it's about that word wisdom, which is just applied knowledge, right? Applied knowledge. 
You know, you can have knowledge without wisdom, but you really can't have wisdom without knowledge. Um, and so knowledge, wisdom is really knowledge at work. For example, knowing how to read versus knowing what to read. That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Or knowing how to speak versus knowing what to say. I don't want any of you, but I many times have said, well, I used words that were understandable, but they were not rightly applied in that situation, right? There was a lack of wisdom. There was knowledge, but not wisdom. Wisdom is, I mean, knowledge is knowing how to swing a hammer. Wisdom is knowing when and where to use it. Right? There's a difference. You, you want to apply knowledge. And so wisdom is very widely encompassing. Uh, it, it includes your education and it includes your intellectual development. I, I really believe followers of Jesus ought to be paying attention to what's going on in the world. I think you ought to be informed, well informed. And I would say, you know, you're not going to get your best information from the sound bites in the mainstream media, whether that's Fox or CNN or anybody else. Do your own understanding, your own digging, learn things, um, you know, challenge your mind, question the narrative, question what, you know, what you're being fed. Uh, read a book. Occasionally someone will say, well, I haven't read a book since high school, as though it's something to be proud of. I mean, like, I wouldn't tell too many people that, right? Read a book. It's amazing. What a concept. There's lots of great ways you can enrich your life. And as you enrich your life, you're, you can begin to apply that into situations. God gives you wisdom. The Bible says that God gives wisdom generously to those who would ask. James says that. The book of Proverbs is a great book to read and understand what does a wise life look like. There's, there's wisdom and there's foolishness. How do I live in a wise way? It will spare you a lot of trouble. We need wisdom. Not everything that we do is a matter of right and wrong. Sometimes it's a matter of wise and foolish. Or sometimes it's just a matter of good and best. Sometimes there's something really good you need to do. Really, we'd be really kind of helpful or a good idea, but it's not the best idea. You know, the timing isn't right or or somehow it's it's not your task to do. And so you need wisdom to know how to apply that to your life. Well, how do you get there? If, if wisdom affects all of your life, wisdom affects your relationships, you want to be wise in your finances, you want to be wise with your time, how do you get there? I think a big, you know, kind of a key way is mentoring. Like, get yourself mentored. Get into a relationship with somebody who could, you can say, hey, how did you, you know, I remember, and we don't always do this well either, we're talking about this in the office this week, about you know, it's when we're young parents, new parents, and just kind of looking for help. Like, how do I do this? Not knowing how to be wise as parents. You know, you reach out to the people that you admire. They're a little bit ahead of you. Say, how did you handle this situation? How did you do that over there? Get get mentors. Sometimes your mentor will be an author in a book, uh, a podcast that you listen to. Um, somebody you, you get to know. They, they might be long dead, but they've written great stuff. Did you know the Bible is full of good mentors, divine mentors, guys like David and Samuel and Elijah and Paul. And, and you just go down the list, get mentored. So you develop a heart of wisdom. Wisdom requires steps of action and some disciplined habits. It doesn't just happen. You actually have to do the stuff, right? So without 
wisdom, you may find yourself repeating bad habits or repeating, you know, the same errors in your life. And you're kind of on this treadmill. I keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Get some help with that. Find yourself into a group that can steer you in a better way. Maybe it's a, you know, um, you know, more than just a, a bad habit. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's an addiction. Well, get get into a recovery group or places where you can break out of that, break free of that, so that you grow go from being foolish with your life to being wise. Because Jesus grew in wisdom. Secondly, Jesus grew in stature. Well, what does that mean? It means he grew up physically. He grew up. You think, well, that I wouldn't. That's obvious, don't we all? You don't want a baby to stay a baby forever. We like we look at them, we cuddle them, we say, "Oh, I wish you could always be this cute." No, you don't. You don't. You don't. You hope they grow up and provide more for you so that you have grandbabies, right? Like, I mean, but you, you don't want them to stay little. You want them to grow. Well, this would really be about taking care of your body. Taking care of your body. So, yes, Jesus grew up physically, but I think he also paid attention to his health. So, for us, this would be making sure you're eating right and you're sleeping right and you're avoiding kind of harmful substances into your body and you're staying reasonably active. I'm not talking about, you know, running marathons or, you know, as much as I admire someone who runs a marathon, it's not necessarily about like y'all got to be gym rats and at the gym every day. I'm just saying, be good to your body. That's what we're talking about here. Jesus grew in stature. There's some ancient philosophies at that time and, and throughout history you know, sometimes it creeps into Christian heresy that the body is bad and the spirit and the soul are good. Therefore, it doesn't really matter what you do with your body. Kind of Gnosticism was part of that. It doesn't matter what you do with your body. You can either, you know, indulge your flesh, like just do whatever you want, or punish your flesh. But as long as you deal with your soul, and that's not a biblical concept. God made you. He gave you a body. He's created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb, the Bible tells us. He He designed you intentionally. And so your body is good. And God gave you, you know, nerve endings at all the important places. And he gave you taste buds like we like to talk about. And he allowed you to see color. And he wants you to, you know, I, any of you catch that rainstorm the other night, that thunder and rainstorm where you live? And we were we had a cloudburst at our house Thursday night. And so we went, we heard that, like, what is going on? We hear the rain coming down. And we went and stood on the, on the, on the patio and there's rain's coming down. And we're like, woo! You know, we're all yelling like idiots, I guess. I don't know. And, uh, that, you know, how beautiful is God? It smells and you feel it and you think, man, it's all a gift from God. And so, you know, you want to develop, you know, healthy. Your body is good. So enjoy. Pleasure is fine. We in moderation, but in all things we honor God. Take care of your body. Take care of your body. Now, truthfully, uh, at least speaking of myself, we all know what we need to do. We don't always want to do it because there's lots of good temptations around us all the time. But here's why it matters. Here's why it matters. Because the Lord's going to call you into something, an opportunity, uh, you know, a, a point of service. And you want to be physically ready to do what he calls you to do. And if you're just kind of run ragged all the time and the moment's like, hey, I need you to go help that person. Hey, I need you to make that phone call. Hey, I need you to, to stay up a little late with this person who needs a little support. Hey, I need you to get up early and deliver that thing. And you're like, oh, I can't. I'm just, you know, you're not able to do those things that God calls you to do. So, you know, 
if I'm overtired from staying up too late every night or I'm badly out of shape or I'm, you know, developed an unhealthy dependence on substances, if I'm getting intoxicated on alcohol or, you know, any other things like that, how am I going to move into action when the Lord calls me? How am I going to move into action if I'm not physically capable, if I'm not physically ready? And I get it. We're all at different life stages. And so, you know, what you can do in your 20s, like playing pickleball and like our Christy here who wins gold medals playing pickleball. She's quite the pickleball celebrity, apparently. Um, you know, versus what you can do in your 80s or your 90s. It's going to be different, but just keep moving. Stay active. Just keep moving. Keep taking care of yourself, taking care of your body. All right. Um, I don't mean to belabor the point, but if you're going to grow like Jesus, it includes your physical health and readiness. Thirdly, Jesus grew in favor, in God's favor. God's favor. This is about progress towards spiritual maturity. Does it amaze you that Jesus had to grow in favor with God? He's fully God. He's the son of God. He's deity. But somehow he mysteriously grows in favor with God. This means he did not take his relationship with the father for granted. He nurtured his relationship with God. Right. Early in the Gospels, we learn that Jesus had a habit of getting up early. Mark chapter one, verse thirty five. Jesus got up early before daybreak and went out to an isolated place to pray. He was up well before breakfast, spending time with the father. So, yes, he was obedient to his parents and he forgave those who offended him. He developed good spiritual habits, all those things. He learned the scriptures, but but it was for the purpose of relationship with his father. But there's another clue, and I think this is so important to us. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 makes this remarkable statement about Jesus. It says this, um, Hebrews 5, verse 8. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience through the things he suffered or from the things that he suffered. Can you even fathom that Jesus needed to learn obedience and that it came through suffering? See, when I think about God's favor, I think about God's blessing, God's, God's, you know, provision in my life, the things that God wants to do through me, the God, the things that God wants to do in my life, and I think about all good things, I don't think about hardship and suffering. But that's, you know, part of needing to mature as a, as a believer, you're gonna have to navigate some tough times. I don't think there's any mature, attractive believer that you know that hasn't walked through some dark valley in their life. Yet, If Jesus could grow in favor with God, we can too. And in the past, you've heard me talk about life in the fog. Life in the fog stands for F-O-G, stands for the favor of God. Life in the fog, life in the favor of God. And you can learn to operate there and you can learn to kind of train yourself to recognize it, to, to see how God's operating around you and to see when God provides you. Sometimes it's something big like... Wow, you, you got that job that you just didn't think was even possible to get or he provided for you in some way financially. Sometimes it's something little. This morning I was looking for a water bottle around here and, and Crystal had said, you can take water bottle. We've got water bottles in the fridge. You can have one of those. So I went to the fridge. There's no water bottle in the fridge. I'm like, where am I going to go? So I'm looking around. I didn't touch the stuff or the drop in basketball stuff. I avoided that. Um, I looked all through the office. I'm like, I need a water bottle, Lord. And uh, I went back to the fridge and tucked in the bottom shelf in the back corner. There was one water bottle left. And I said, thank you, Lord. That's the favor of the Lord. That's the favor of God. No, Brian, it's just a water bottle. Yeah, but God tucked it away in the back of the fridge so nobody else would find it before I did. Right? 
Something crucial to remember is, is that God wants to meet with you because He likes you. Yes, God loves you, but you know, He actually likes you. Some of you have had a rough time with it, with your dad or your father or your kind of a tough relationship. I want you to know that God is the Father who loves you and He likes you. He wants to spend time with you. And, and, you know, if you, um, depend only on me, for your time in the Word. If the only time you crack your Bible is here on a Sunday morning or in a Bible study, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be malnourished. You're going to be anemic, spiritually speaking. Um, I'm just the teaser. But you've got to learn to feed yourself. And and so, you know, learn to read your, own, your Bible for yourself and, and get into God's Word. Why? Because I'm not your real teacher. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. The Holy Spirit, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit be the one to guide you into all truth. And so get into God's word, Jesus' word, right? Him speaking so the Holy Spirit can illuminate that. And that'll help you grow in favor with God. And I would say we also grow in favor through obedience. And this is a principle we've talked to, talked about before and we keep coming back to it. But if you can be trusted with a little, you can be trusted with more. If you can obey God in the small things, He can trust you with the big things. So that little nudge you get to send a text message or a phone call or drop by and say hi to somebody just to take a little time. That little nudge, obey that and you're learning obedience just like Jesus did. And as you make yourself available to Him, you will grow in favor. Lastly, Jesus grew in people's favor. So I would say this is to, to progress in social intelligence, growing in your ability to relate to people and for people to relate to you. And I'm not talking about being a people pleaser and just doing everything that anybody ever asked for and, and, and having no boundaries. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is you can be smart and you can be godly and you can be healthy, but if people don't like you, you're no good to the kingdom. You're not accessible for God to, to work through you. It's okay to be persecuted for your faith, but if you're being persecuted because you're obnoxious or ab- annoying, that's actually harmful to the gospel. So what qualities would Jesus have developed as a young man to be able to grow in favor? Because the Bible says he grew in favor with people. People got to the point where they liked Jesus. They wouldn't have him around, right? So kindness, humility, generosity, Right? I bet you Jesus knew how to laugh. He knew how to have fun. We know he knew how to go to a party and hang out and have a good time there. Right? He was positive. He wouldn't have been a gossip. He was quick to forgive. All those qualities that make you fun to have around. And, you know, we think, well, is this just really about, some people have a a more, you know, a, a personality that's more suited to that than others. But it's more than that. Because you can shape how you interact with people and it's really this you grow in favor with people by loving people you grow in favor by choosing to love people and sometimes it's hard to love people some people are difficult to love sometimes they reject your love sometimes they reject your care you try to help and they push you away i get that that's why we all like having a dog because the dog lets you love them no matter what some of us have cats and then we learn how to get rejected every day Right. Listen, we want to grow in favor and it's about learning to love. I'm going to kind of finish up with a poem that I'm sure you've heard before. It's been around for decades and decades. It was actually written the year I was born, which is a long time ago. But it's called The Paradoxical Commandments. I'm going to read this to you. Dr. Keith wrote this. It says, people are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. 
If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you're successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest people with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest people with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs but follow top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help but may attack you if you do help them. Help them Anyway, I think a little poem like that helps illustrate kind of the nature of pressing in and loving somebody no matter what the cost, no matter what it is. And as you love people, you will actually grow in favor. People will, people will like having you around. And as you grow in favor with people, what happens? It opens the doors to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. It opens the doors to share the goodness of God with people as you have favor. So listen, Jesus grew. In wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and in favor with people. Let's grow like Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you uh, for this great um, little glimpse, this little summary of Jesus' life growing up. Uh, thank you for the ways that, that we can model ourselves after that, that we too can people, be people who grow in all those ways. And um, God, I know that you have a calling on every person in this room. You have a, you have a purpose for everyone. You've, you've, you've got a design for every person in this room. Every person watching us today, you, Lord, you know them, you love them, and you have a design and purpose for them. So God, we want to grow into those things that you have for us. In our intellect, in our, in our health, and in our favor with you and with other people. God, we thank you so much for the things that you teach us. For listening, know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.